Marzini. Unfortunately, no Trevor Styles today. Uh, Trevor has a back injury, which is a uh, which is really unfortunate to hear. We just just found out just recently. So everybody out there, if you're hearing this, and uh, he's still not feeling well tomorrow, uh, please uh, send your well wishes to Trevor Styles. Uh, I think that's TS at aviatasports.com, I think is the best way to, to reach <laughs> him. start giving out his phone number out here. So no, probably, really probably don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> or you can reach him on social media, I think on all the Avi- Aviata links and stuff like that. Um, man, I, I've had those back issues before, um, lower back issues, especially from, uh, from games, and it's never fun. No, you got to be really, really careful. My dad has pretty bad uh, back injuries, or he's had a back injury, like a dislodged disc or uh, some, something with his disc. So I know, you know firsthand how bad those can be if you don't treat them right away. So hopefully he feels better, and hopefully uh, one of our fans who's a chiropractor takes care of him. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what we're expecting. We're expecting somebody out there who's got a lot of medical knowledge to, uh, to fix <laughs> Trevor. So this never happens again. <laughs> Um, but that's not why we, uh, why we do this podcast is to talk about back issues um, because I'm sure there's plenty of podcasts that do that. Uh, we want to talk goalkeeping. And uh, first thing we want to do, guys, is we want to thank all you guys for all the support. You guys have been reaching out, giving reviews. You guys have been sending listener questions. I mean, it's really, really been pretty incredible. Um, and again, guys, if you have a listener question, uh, it's contact at insidethe18media.com. That's the best way to do it. Um, I know a lot of you guys are still going the DM route, um, but uh, as Omar and I have, have said, uh, <laughs> there's only so much time in the day. So this is really the easiest way to do it. So thank you for you guys who've been doing it. So first off, I want to uh, read a listener question and, um, and, and get kind of your Omar's advice on this because I think this is a really good question. And I think a lot of people uh, have this question. So this one comes from Michael Bone, Bone, Boneline. I think it's Michael Boneline. Uh, and he goes, hey, this is Michael Boneline. So it's already starting off very strong. <laughs> I had sent you a DM on Instagram asking if it was important to play at a high level in order to be a good coach and or high level coach. I played in high school and was recruited by multiple D2 and D3 colleges and a D1 college. After I didn't go play college, I went on to try out for Nashville SC and Louisville City. Uh, hopefully they're okay with uh, uh, Michael putting them on blast, but that's cool. Uh, <laughs> My ultimate goal is to be a goalkeeper coach at the college level. Thanks for the feedback. Um, I thought this was a great question because I feel like there's a lot of people out there who have this similar uh, question because they don't know whether their ability is uh, as a coach and their playing ability uh, have to parallel. And uh, I, I want to tell Michael personally, you know, I, I don't want to get Omar's thoughts, but I, I don't believe that's the case. No, I think so too. I mean, I mean, you, I think that's a, a very lazy argument for people to uh, to come on. My, even my social media channels, like the other day, I posted about Allison's wall and uh, against Barcelona, and I posted it thinking that you know when I, what I saw from a certain angle was what you know the only the only view. And then through comments and people letting me know, hey, you know Suarez was also on the ball, so he was trying to account for uh, a right footer striking the ball, not just Messi. So that's why he had his wall a little bit off from the from the post. So in my head, I'm like, oh, you know, that's that to me, that's opening my mind and going, okay, maybe next time I should take that into account. But then some people will comment like, who are you to say this? Who are you to uh, to to make? Uh, uh, something light about a, a professional goalkeeper. He knows what he's doing. You have no idea. You have no professional experience. Leave it to the professionals. So I feel like that's such a lazy argument that people use. And I mean, for example, Phil Belichick never played professional football. 
but he's arguably one of the probably the How best. How awesome would that have been to see Bill Belichick <laughs> on the pads and go out there and play with a hoodie? He would have had a hoodie on the entire time. Sleeveless hoodie <laughs> would have been amazing. But that's what I'm saying though is that I think a lot of people will get lazy in their arguments and just throw that out there, and it, I think it shows more about them making that argument than it does about you and your experiences. So for me, I thought I knew everything about coaching and all that stuff getting into it. And then I, got, I went to Cal State LA and our coaching staff there is wealth of knowledge, wealth of experience. And then they rubbed off on me with player management, uh, formations, tactics, uh, just how to, you know, rehab after games, talk to players and, you know, certain things. So there's just so much knowledge that you can, you can put yourself into, whether it's instilling yourself into a team of being an assistant there or just going to seminars like the IGCC or uh, going to, you know, camps and being an assistant coach there, something like that. So I think, you know, to a certain extent, it does help if you play professionally because all those coaches that you would be learning from at a seminar are most likely the ones who are your head coach if you're on a good team. You know what I mean? But I don't think it's the end-all be-all. Um, and that's, that's my two cents on that. Yeah, look, what I, what I told Michael is I think the most important thing is that you can relate to the players and convey information in a way that they understand and you can provide them the necessary tools to assist them at that current level. Yeah. And there's men and women at all levels of coaching that didn't play at that level. I mean, again, like you said, you know, it certainly helps, but it's not the prerequisite. Um, but I will say this, that if you haven't played at that level, whatever that level is, you need to prove you are a better fit than someone who has. So it's a little bit of a tougher road, um, networking wise, you know, also, you know, from a credibility standpoint, but it is doable. And really all it is, is just showcasing that you're the best teacher for the job. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I mean, from your experience too, Mike, I mean, you've gotten a lot of licenses and in those licenses, I think, you know, growing up myself, people were like, you need to get this license, this license, this license, so that when the opportunity presents itself, you're going to be, you know, you have your, your best resume to, to put forth for the job. And I'm like, I mean, I feel like I know the game really well and all that stuff. And it's like, but really you learn so much from other people. You get their perspective on things and you go to these places and they teach you kind of the foundation, the framework, and to make you even more confident in your ability as a coach. And from you, Mike, like I said, I think you have, you have a good amount of licenses and that I feel like maybe when you first got into coaching, obviously it was a skeleton. You're still trying to put some meat on those bones. But then once you get into all those seminars and you get all that experience of you being, you know, a director at some big, Real SoCal is a huge club. You being a director there, there's so many little like nuances and like day-to-day things that you learn on the job that you can't, you can't really fake. You know what I mean? You can't yeah. really, you can't really, no, you can't really walk in and say, yeah, I have playing experience. So I know how to coach. It's not the same. And, and I've seen plenty of coaches who've played at very high levels who just can't, um, they can't, uh, let's just say, connect okay. with the players. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. I mean, you have to have a, you have to have a, a definitely a, like Terry Boss. You know Terry Boss? Yeah. So he's the goal, he was the goalkeeper for, I think it was Seattle for a long time. Or it's, yeah, I think it's Seattle. And now he's the head coach at Oregon State. And he's a, he's a goalkeeper there. You know, he was a goalkeeper his whole career. And then he went to Oregon State. And then I'm reading in the papers and all these interviews that they're doing with the Pac-12 saying that he connects with the players on a different level. And the players want to play for him. They want to, uh, to, to play for a manager like him. So it's just, you know, it's just, some people have it in them. And some people have those characteristics and others don't. And I don't think playing professionally is the end, like I said, end all be all that uh, those characteristics are made. If you're, if you have it in you and you're willing to learn and grow those characteristics, I think you're going to be uh, well off in the future as well. Yeah. So hopefully Michael, that, that answers your question. What we're basically saying is you have no chance. Uh, just <laughs> give it up. It's a waste of your time. No, uh, keep it up, man. And keep us updated on your progress, man, because we, 
we we want to support young coaches and we want to we want to see you here with us on camera one day you know and, and telling us you know what it's like to be the goalkeeper coach for manchester united um coaching at the professional level doesn't necessarily mean that you're a great coach and coaching at the youth level doesn't necessarily mean that you're a crummy coach um there's a lot of fantastic coaches that work with eight-year-olds seven-year-olds six-year-olds so never never accept your worth as a coach based on the age the bracket that you're coaching in or the title yep. because it's, it's not about that. It's about giving back in the game. It's about utilizing yourself to the best of your abilities. Some people are better with youngers than they are with olders and that doesn't make them a bad coach. That just makes them right for that level. Got it. No, yeah, hundred percent. I think that makes a lot of sense. Hopefully that resonates with people. I think uh, that's a, that's a topic we got to discuss with, you know, other coaches as well and see where their, where their mindset is on that as well. I feel like that's a good uh, opinion piece for, for a later episode. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good one for maybe somebody like an Ian Foyer might be great to have on because, uh, you know, they played in the Premier League and uh, now they primarily work with youth. I'm going to say USC is youth still. It's not a professional <laughs> game. But uh, I, Kaylee, you guys are amazing. I know. But, uh, but still, um, somebody like that could be great to have on. Yeah, no, I think we've even we talked about Jill all the time. I think Jill Lloyd would be a great person to have on again because, I mean, she's had the international experience, NWSL experience, and now she's able to kind of channel all that into her passion of goalkeeping with these younger goalkeepers and professional goalkeepers that we see with, you know, Kaylin Sheridan, Shane is all those goalkeepers. So yeah, we can, we can harp on that for a long time, but I'm ready for the next topic, my man. All right. So like uh, real quick, I want to tell everybody here uh, I've been having a lot of people reach out and Omar does all the time saying, Hey, are you guys down to come to our city, do shows, do videos, do training sessions? And the answer is yes, kinda. So here's the deal guys. <laughs> If you go, hey, man, would you mind coming out and doing a session with us in Las Vegas? Uh, we go, cool. and go, awesome, sweet. I'm here on Sunday at 430. That's not what we mean by that. Um, we have a lot of stuff going on, and we would love to do that. We would love to be able to just take the private plane, uh, the inside <laughs> private charter uh, over to Las Vegas. And by that, I mean my Honda Civic uh, to, to do things like that. But um you know, we, we want to make it valuable to not just you, but also the entire audience. So we have been speaking to some different people about coming out and doing clinics in their cities. So if you wanted us to do that, contact at insidethe18media.com. Uh, we can also set up live shows, which are, again, we're also doing at some camps and also some clinics in some different cities. Uh, so it is a possibility, guys. Um, if, you want, if you really want us to come out there, uh, let's make it valuable to everyone in your community, not just yourself. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's get this to this review and then, uh, then we're going to get to the topic of the day. So, uh, this one is great. Uh, it comes from AMAC five, five, four, seven, and it says great podcast for any keeper. Love listening to you guys and the information you have for all of us keepers started following you on Instagram and YouTube, but just recently started listening to your podcast and putting all three together as a learning tool has been amazing. <laughs> kind of like all the infinity stones together, basically. <laughs> make for this incredible combination um thank you guys for all the hard work you do exclamation point and this is from alex mcnab from oakton virginia shout out alex mcnab uh really awesome review thanks man really appreciate it uh that means a lot to us and uh, that's what we're trying to do we're trying to utilize all the different forms all the different platforms to bring the best content to you guys that we can and again, guys, we're, um, we're getting close to 70 reviews in the United States. I'm not sure what we are in Canada because Trevor's not on right now. And I know we got a decent amount of them in the UK, um, including um, you know, Scotland, uh, because the Ian push that was pretty amazing. 
Yep. Although I'm expecting the Canada push has been pretty strong lately with Kalen on uh, this, this past week. I yeah, yeah. I saw you tweeted yesterday on uh, our Inside the 18 Twitter, and then I think Sky Blue uh, tweeted it out. So that's and pretty Cloud awesome. Nine, Cloud9, the fan group for, uh, for Sky Blue. Shout out to Cloud9. Thanks, guys, for doing oh, that's it. That's sick. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, I think that's the, that's the general consensus for all of us is that, you know, we, we want to keep putting out good content for you guys. And uh, these reviews and, you know, DMs that we get on social media are super important for us to, to know what you guys want to hear and topics that we may have, you know, just talked about for two minutes we you guys want to talk about for a 15 20 minutes a little bit more in depth so keep us sending keep sending those reviews keep dming us on you know follow us on twitter instagram facebook just let us know what you guys want to hear because again this is a community and we want to make sure that your questions are being answered yeah and uh i'm learning social media i'm getting better at it it's oh my god um although <laughs> I, <laughs> the other day it was hilarious with i was talking to kaylin and uh i'm like how'd you make that whole gif thing she's like oh it's really easy you just go in here and just do this i'm like okay cool and like, i'm like did it work? She's like, you just turned me into a mouse. You just used a filter. You're not sure what you're doing. Um, so, so I don't, I don't want to turn Kaylin into a mouse because, uh, because she's a lion. Like, like lots on. No worry. You'll learn, man. You'll learn. It takes some time. Trial and error. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's get into today's topic of the day. Speaking of Zlatan, that he's somebody that can hit a dead ball pretty, pretty decently. <laughs> Uh, today's topic is training dead balls properly. What I mean by training dead balls properly, I don't mean set pieces as in uh, strikers taking shots on a free kick. I mean goalkeepers from an offensive standpoint hitting a dead ball properly. Uh, Omar, for the layman, what is a dead ball? Because obviously there's some parents out there who may be listening, who may not know what we're talking about. Uh, they may think that we're talking about uh, a ball that is no longer alive. That's not a case. Balls <laughs> have been alive. They're not sentient beings. Um, uh, what is it? <laughs> no, I mean, there's, uh, when we first brought up the topic a few days ago, uh, when you were like, Hey, let's do this for the, for the show on Thursday or Friday when we release it. But, uh, in my head, I thought, you know, dead ball situations are, you know, free kicks, how to set up your wall, where to stand, all that stuff. So I, that's how I've heard it in the past is dead ball on free kicks and how we defend them. But dead ball. Now we're talking about, you know, goal kicks, uh, free kicks outside the box, wherever you, wherever the ball's dead pretty much. And you got to kind of get underneath it to serve it. Exactly. And, and I, it's, I feel like it's a topic that needs to be covered because I see a lot of bad sessions when it comes to this. And by sessions, I mean just having kids hit reps, hit, hit reps, hit reps, hit reps. Yeah. It doesn't really translate to the game, though, does it? Uh, it doesn't, but I think if you – it depends on what age you're working with. Uh, I'm sure you, you've gotten them. I think a lot of coaches who are listening have gotten goalkeepers who come, at, come to you when they're like 15 or 16 and have never really – sat down or been told by a coach, hey, this kicking is not good enough. You have to get reps. You have to get reps. And, you know, it depends on what age. But at a younger age, I would say the repetitions are super important uh, just because you want to have, like I said, trial and error, trial and error. And that's kind of what happened with me is I figured it out over time, understanding, you know, what worked, what didn't work. Um, like I told you, man, I used, to, I used to toe poke the ball like 15, 20 yards, like pretty, pretty far. I mean, at that young of an age, toe poke. And it worked. Well, because you were you were six feet tall, at like eleven. So I, know, I was really tall, but yeah, that was that was my go-to, and that's how I struck the ball, and it worked. And then as you get older, you realize, oh wow, when I'm in group sessions, no one else is kicking the ball like this, so I have to change. And then if you don't have that technical foundation or the mechanics done by 13, 14 years old, you're already essentially behind. Yeah, no, I, I think you're you're right about that, and I think one of the main mistakes that goalkeeper coaches make when putting these sessions together is just expecting that the goalkeeper already has their striking technique down. 
Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah I mean, if you want to share, you can share what you think uh, for the main, you know, mistakes that goalkeepers will make, goalkeeper coaches make for this. I have, I mean, I have a long answer, so I don't want to, I don't want to hog the mic. So nah, if you, wanna... <laughs> you never hog the mic. We've had some people hog the mic before. We have. I mean, do you, is it okay if I go into it? Yeah, sure. Okay, so like my, for me, like I feel like the three main mistakes that I'll say goalkeeper coaches in general, but I'll just kind of allude to myself is that uh, there's three things. I, I personally lacked patience, a structure, and then open communication with my goalkeeper. Uh, so the first is, you know, from my experience, I felt that with goal kicks, especially in dead ball situations, the patience aspect was kind of just thrown out the window. I'm a very impatient person. So you can, you can only imagine with something that takes a long time to, to kind of weed out the little little nuances and new techniques and all that stuff. Something that takes that long, I was never able to actually sit down with a goalkeeper and say, hey, we're going to do this for, you know, whatever, 20 minutes. And I was already going to step three when really step one and two, like you said earlier, they don't have that foundation. Step one and two have not been covered. And I feel like once that first step or two are covered, which is kind of being able to strike the ball, getting a rhythm, getting the mechanics, the technique, that develops a rhythm and a technical foundation so that the goalkeeper has you know, confidence and feels comfortable with that technique. And for me, it's not just with kicking though. I feel like oftentimes I just forget, you know, how long certain techniques for me needed to be kind of force fed to me. And before I actually started showing significant progress. And I think that where a lot of us coaches can kind of go wrong is not understanding that concept is that we forget when we played how long it took us to get good. Uh, and for me, I don't know if it's the stubbornness, or maybe sometimes I think that, you know, hey, someone's watching my session and these kids don't know how to kick the ball. So it'll probably look bad. I mean, you kind of wear this like ego badge that you don't want anybody to. Dude, but honestly, I think that's something that, you know, uh, young coaches out there to listen out there. Don't worry about that. OK, They're, you know, don't worry about that because, you know, there's always a way to play that off to make it fun for the kids and go, oh, well, well, that don't do it like that. Let me show you how you re really should do a type of a thing. And then you can slow it down and then break it down because, you know. Uh, one of one of the things uh, you need to just have is just confidence. And if you start having that deer in the headlights look because you freaked out because you hit a bad ball, then the kids are going to lose confidence. In you. <laughs> oh no, I was talking about me. Oh, I, I thought you were oh, talking about you. Okay. No, no, I, I feel like I mean at this look, point, look, it's, it's eight twenty six in the morning. <laughs> I, I'm I'm still hazy. No, I think at this point, I mean, for example, like if you just think about it, for some reason in in my mind on social media and nowadays whatever like world we live in unfortunately sometimes you overthink things and you know i overthink things a lot mike so i over i overthink things and then you start you know oh, what if this what if this you know person's watching my session what if somebody comes comes to my session and they, they they my name doesn't hold weight because my goalkeepers don't know how to serve a ball you know what i mean so that's like that's sometimes what goes in my head and that's where the the, the lack of patience of seeing things through and it kind of leads me to my next point of creating a structure and i feel like i've lacked a consistent a consistent structure or a structure that i have seen through long enough where i can say to myself hey like i've seen this happen before with a goalkeeper trust this process the results will come and i don't feel like i've had the patience to create a structure and now you know because of that lack of structure certain thoughts for me start creeping into my head and like these i've these two phrases i came up with that i've i feel like for me um just kind of get stuck in my head the first one is i only had this goalkeeper for an hour let's focus on the diving technique and then use the last 10 minutes for goal kicks and i think mike you covered this the last time we talked about uh i think it was i don't know if it was dead ball situation but something similar and we talked about how a lot of people a lot of coaches will just use the last 10 minutes as kind of like a hey 
we're going to do kicking. You know what I mean? Not really much. Yeah, of and, that, and, that, and that's, that's my issue with it. When, why I wanted to bring this up on, on the podcast, because the thing is, is that, that that can be, this can be an entire session. And it's one of the reasons why I think we need to teach the kids the difference between just striking a ball and actually placing a ball. Yeah. And, because we're talking about from an offensive standpoint. I mean, you brought up a really good point uh, this past weekend in regards to a post that you shared in regards to why goalkeepers are becoming more like quarterbacks these days. And we saw great examples of that in Champions League this past week with some phenomenal, phenomenal Insane, distribution. Man. Insane. Those weren't just striking a dead ball. Those were literally placing balls in certain, almost like a chess match, strategic areas to basically set up the play. Not even just hit a certain player like a point person, but actually if I play the ball into this part of the field, this guy's going to shift over this direction. It's going to open up this space for this player right here. Yeah. So it's a very, very different type of game today. That's, that's the thing, though, is that it's a different type of game. But if you look at uh, the top goalkeepers right now, we'll just talk about from the champions like this past week, Onana, the way he strikes the ball with both feet, ambidextrous, which is crazy. Then you see Ter Stegen, the way they trust him on goal kicks and pass backs. They're, they're literally playing with ins- – within- I think the new rule that you pass the ball and your defender can touch the ball inside the 18 instead of having to wait it or wait for it to go out, I think it was created because of Ter Stegen. I think, the, I think FIFA saw that. They were like, you know what? We just want this. We want to see this guy with the ball at his feet because it's, it's that much more so fun to watch. Real quickly for those out there, because this is very new, can you please explain that new rule for those who might be unfamiliar? Yes. So FIFA, I think uh, now they've implemented it. Uh, before, when a goalkeeper passed the ball, the ball had to be outside the 18 before anybody can touch it. If it was touched with inside the 18 or like a defender came back and touched it before it left the 18-yard box, then the referee would call it back and be a goal kick again or, you know, place it wherever it was. And now they, the new rules permit that you can pass the ball and anybody can touch it within the 18 now. So you're almost – you can do a two-yard pass from a goal kick to somebody right next to you. So that's it's, – it's changing there. They want – like you said, the, goal, the goalkeepers as quarterbacks comparison. That's where it is. Everything starts with a goalkeeper now. You're the 11th field player. And this new rule just kind of like really reinforces that. Um, but one, one last thing, Mike, about the structure real quick. Sure. I think, I think this one, for me, I'm not sure about other people. I don't know about for you, Mike, maybe in the early days. But for me, one thing is that, okay, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to do a kicking session because for the fee that I charge or whatever I do, uh, their parents are watching. Their parents are here. They're kind of like the umbrella parents. They're just kind of there. So it's like, okay, you know what? I don't want to feel like I'm mailing it in. I don't want the parents to, to think that I'm just kind of being lazy about this. So I'm going to do all the diving stuff. And maybe if I have time, get to the, the kicking. When really, you shouldn't even let those outside voices or outside influences get to you as a coach because that's where the structure is, is like, it's supposed to be a foundation for you when crap hits the fan. You can kind of go, hey, you know what? I have something to stand on because I've seen it work with Mike, my, my younger goalkeeper who's 15. Now you should see the way he serves the ball. I've seen the process. Just trust me. And I feel like for me, what I've lacked is that structure and that ability to have confidence to tell a parent, hey, by the way, this has worked. Just trust me. So yeah. I think that's, that's a big thing too, the patience to see the structure through. And then the last thing for me, what I would say is, is communication. And with communication, I see it through like two lenses. The first one is communication and collaboration on a session with your goalkeeper. So like, as I feel like as for me, at least ego wise, I always come to every session with a session plan, which you should but it should have some influence from the goalkeeper and, or the goalkeepers that you're working with. So if I'm in a college season, I have uh, my three or four goalkeepers that I had this year. I say, hey, the starter, you're probably exhausted. Hey, I'm going to give you some time off. Uh, but he's like, hey, I want to get some work in. So there's like that communication that probably could have been like, hey, you know what? I can design this session where you get a lot of reps, but you're not hitting the ground. So that's like one thing that I think uh, younger goalkeepers as well is that 
hey, if you want to work on your kicking and you're young, just, you know, come to the coaches and say, hey, coach, you know, I understand it might not be the flashiest thing, but I feel like my kicking needs a lot of work. I need to work on this, this, and this. So now as a coach, I'm like, oh, okay, well, good. Here's, here's one thing I think that is a, is a major mistake that I see, and I think it's something that we need to make sure that we do when we are doing this. Because it's great when you're talking about the reps and you're talking about the structure and all of that is the variables, though. Because if we don't incorporate the variables, especially as the striking technique becomes cleaner and, and we're getting more game-like in, in, in the training, uh, then kids are just going to just keep hitting balls and not be able to deal with that pressure of actual players in a game type environment. So what variables would you incorporate, let's say in your college sessions to make it more game-like uh, when you're working on goal kicks or spot kicks or anything like that? Uh, there are times where, for example, we'll, you know, we'll put a, a dummy on probably like corner of the 18, but probably like 10, 15 yards out. And we'll have goal kicks and I'll say, hey, you know, let's, let's say, for example, they have a high pressure, they're forwards on top of the 18, skip him and try and put it to the corner or try to put it to the midline where we have our, you know, uh, our left mid. So we'll, we'll, we'll create that kind of, it is a variable per se. You just kind of have to, you know, hey, there's a imminent pressure here. Let's try and loft it over the heads. So that's where I think that's one aspect of it. Um, not so much with dead balls, though. I do a lot of like pass back simulation where they pass it to me. And then I play it back to them and then they play it back to me. And then they either tell me, Hey, you have time, take it up or quickly touch back. And then from there we create a variable of pressure. And then we have uh, another goalkeeper who's not in the drill, start pressuring him to focus on the lifting, the elevation and trying to get it out of pressure and at the same time too, finding the target. So there's different ways to implement new things. But I think Mike, the biggest thing is that the goalkeeper should obviously, you know, work within the coach's system. And I think a lot of coaches nowadays are switching to the, having the 11th man, but some coaches aren't. So try and work within, for me at college, at least we don't necessarily always play with our goalkeeper's feet. And uh, it's not discouraged, but sometimes it's like, Hey, you know, I'd rather him clear that ball there. I'd rather him not show for that ball and leave the goal exposed. So it's kind of working within the, the means of what the coaches want. However, one, one thing I want to say here, and I, I don't want to debate you and say that you're wrong or anything like that, because there is no right or wrong when it comes to goalkeeper coaching. Sure. I will say is that, you know, you're talking a lot about, you know, striking a ball, with, you know, striking a moving ball. And there's a big difference in regards to that than striking a dead ball. And, and one thing that I see a lot of times that happens is a lot of coaches will work on kids and they say, well, you know, let's just say that they want to cross, right? And they're pushing everybody out of the box. And so they roll the ball out and they, they're pushing everybody out and then they stop the ball. And then the momentum's completely stopped. And now they freak out because now the other team is able to put pressure on them and they don't know what to do because now the ball's dead and it's just sitting there. So um, I think that's something that we need to train a lot more with kids. Um, because again, a lot of times you get coaches and I don't mean goalkeeper coaches. I mean, team coaches who watch the modern game, they watch the, the high level professional game and they're trying to get their goalkeepers to emulate everything that they're seeing without understanding that, that, that they might not have the full picture together yet yeah and I think we talked about it I said at the beginning it's like you got to have the foundation the mechanics taken care of and a lot of that unfortunately Mike isn't stuff that us goalkeeper coaches can really do like yeah. we can we can put you in sessions where you're going to get a get a lot of reps but do yourself a, you know do yourself a solid go out to the field I've said it numerous times on here you know there was one time in our galaxy game I remember vividly we're down one zero I had to get the ball up the field and it was probably like 10 yards outside the 18 dead ball free kick and I kicked it, and it was probably one of the, the worst kicks I've ever had. Kicked it straight out of bounds. Coach comes to me after practice, after the game, and was like, oh, my, that's unacceptable. I know you're 15 years old, but you need to get your crap together because at the next level, that's 
what do you think is going to happen? They're going to find somebody who's either as good as you and who can actually strike a ball or you're not going to play at all. You've had a lot of positive coaching in your life. (laughs) No, but that's the thing though, is that that constructive, that wasn't constructive criticism, but it was more of a real harsh reality of this is what to expect. So, you know, at our training sessions, we ask for more training, but there's so many things as goalkeepers, we can cover crossing uh, angle shot one V ones. There's so many things we can do. So kicking isn't really the number one focus, but if you go out to the field and, go out, let's say 20, 30 minutes with a friend or trying to hit a fence or just trying to hit something you have in your head. I want to try and get it over this net or over this pole. Do that as many times as you possibly can. And what I would suggest too, in the communication side of things is- Hold on, thank you. I'm glad the fact that you brought up the have it go over an obstacle type of thing, because I think when we're talking about variables, that's so important because a lot of times when people are just working on goal kicks or spot kicks- they, they just hit the ball, but if you have to hit it over a goal or you have to hit it, you know, over trash cans or whatever, now you're simulating that pressure in the yes. game. Yeah. Yes. And uh, the one thing uh, I do remember though, that we did is that obviously we would have the crossbar challenge. We'd probably as goalkeepers or our goalkeeper coach to say, Hey, we're going to go on to the midline or the bottom of the circle and hit some balls and try and hit the, uh, hit the goal, uh, hit the goal post. And other times he would say, Hey, try and hit the net on the fly. I guess it was a variable per se, because we're trying to move our body in a way where we can kind of predict the flight pattern. And then from there, that creates the mechanics and the technique. And you got to do that over and over and over to, to develop the repetitions and making sure your body has that muscle memory to continue to do it over and over and over. And one last point, Mike, I'm going to say is when you do your goal kicks, I think the next where the next level is at, which I've done in the past, is film. Film yourself kick a ball and not so much directly in front of you because you want to see where the ball went. So maybe to the side so you can see how it kind of took off, but see how that ball took off and see the trajectory, see if it elevated, see how you, how you hit it. Maybe you lean back at the right time, watch that and see if that leads to more success. Cause I've sh- I did, I did a session one time with a girl and uh, she, her mom was like, she's not very good at kicking. So, okay. I was, I was like, I'm going to film you and I'm going to put you in a position where you have to hit it over my net. And so she hit one or two straight into the back of the net. wasn't very uh, wasn't very good. And then she leaned back and just got perfectly underneath it and hit it over the net. So I was like, "Hey, come here. Let's rewatch that again." But I was like, "Look at your shoulders. Look at right here how the last second you kind of pull back to give yourself that trajectory on the ball to get underneath it. Try that again. And then right there, you have the mental recall, the muscle memory to go. Oh, you know what? That's probably something I should be doing. So with the with the uh, software these days, I think that is a major point as well. Do the reps, but at the same time, work smart. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to bring up. Now, when we're talking about striking the ball and uh, working on the reps, a lot of kids sometimes say, you know, I can't strike a ball this certain way. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And I see a lot of coaches forcing them to hit that ball, you know, in a specific technique, whether it's a drive technique or a wedge technique or a chip technique or whatever. Um, Should we allow kids to use other tech? You were talking about like the fact that you used to toe bash the ball when you were like nine years old, you know? 20 yards, but, but it was effective and it was working and, and, and you still, and you had more confidence, you know, doing it that way. So should we be so concerned? Yes. We want kids to learn how to strike a ball different types of ways, but should we force them to have to hit it a certain way? Oh man, that's, that's a tough one because it just depends how long you're going to be their coach or just, you know, how forceful you want to be with it. Cause I think I, as a, as a young kid, no one ever told me, Hey, don't toe poke the ball because it was effective. And I was able to get it further than most kids. So in that specific timeline, that worked perfectly. And like you said, I was, I was very effective at it and I knew what I was doing with it. But then as you get older, you start, 
you know, pushing yourself and going to different environments, being in group sessions with ODP goalkeepers and other stuff. And you go, wow, like they know how to hit the ball. They know how to hit it properly. So I would say as a coach, from a coach's perspective, you know, sure, let them be successful in what they're doing and let them build their confidence. But at the same time, start dropping in every session. Hey, let's, let's try and switch it up a little bit. Because right now, as a reminder, it might be working. But when you get to the next level, this might not be as, a, as an effective uh, way of serving the ball. So it's kind of just that fine line of, of communicating with the goalkeeper and saying, hey, it's good now. But from my experience and from what I've seen, this can bite you in the butt in a few years. Trust me. And then that's where I think just drop it in every few sessions and then progressively they get better with it. Well, but I, I think also you have to take into account the fact that I'll, the physical characteristics of, of a human being, and yeah. everyone's going to have different ways that it's going to be easier for them to hit a ball. You know, some long slender kids might be able to, you know, be able to, to drive a ball and, and, and kind of a, a broader type of kid might be able to be better on a wedge because they're, they've got that, you know, that thick trunk, uh, that they, they can utilize, you know? So, and I, and I want to keep building that confidence. And when I was a younger coach, I used to be so scared of well that's going to reflect badly on me if the kid hits it this way when we were working on driving the ball this way in a game um and then i started as i got older i started realizing it's it's not about me it's again it's about their development and and what's gonna what's gonna work um look i mean the way i write when i was in third grade and the way i wrote when i was in sixth grade is very different still working on the same mechanics and the teacher didn't like write back and go like you know well this curse up looks embarrassing you know um, yeah, that's, I do. That's a great point, though. That's that's so true because not much really changed. I mean, the ideas and the, the things that flow in your head and, you know, that feedback that you get from a teacher and say, hey, you know, maybe when you write this, try and use a little bit less, you know, verbiage or try, try to be less wordy and try and have more substance. So I think that can kind of translate and be put into to goalkeeping, especially with, with goal kicks and dead ball situations. It's like, I mean, we talk about all the time. Whenever you Whenever you put a resume together, you want to sound as articulate as you possibly can. Right. So when you're a goalkeeper, it's like, yes, you want to work with what works for you. But like in the job force, when you get older, everyone's articulate. There's going to be a point where everybody can strike a ball. And then after that, it's everyone's going to have a very similar technique. So you want to be able to set yourself up well so you can kind of work in those confines of a professional environment. Because how, there aren't many goalkeepers, Mike, out there who can't place a ball nowadays. And I, I would say I would say that most of what they're doing now was not implemented in the last year or two. It was implemented from their coaches when they were 13, 12, 11. You know what I mean? So I get the aspect of the sizing and who you are. Cause for me, I couldn't kick a ball very far, but I could, I can get it up in the air. But then when I hit like 13, 14, 15, I started getting bigger and stronger and I'm like, Oh wow. No, but also your mechanics started coming together. That's the exactly. Thing. You got yeah. You got to remember. And I don't want to be on this topic forever. <laughs> we but, could. But, but, we but no, but could. it's true though, because the thing is, it's the same thing. It's like, do you expect a kid at nine years old to be full on an extension dive perfectly? No, nope. because their body's still developing. So, have patience is the word. I think is is really the number one thing. Is is have is have patience. And honestly, I, I will. I will use myself as an example here, and I don't know why I'm doing this right here because no one can see me other than you. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I didn't work on driving a ball enough. I didn't work on driving a ball enough, and it, and until I got older, and then then I started trying to put those reps in to get better and better and better. But still to this day, I feel much more confident wedging a ball because I worked on that and worked on that and worked on that, and I felt comfortable because of the way my body was built. If I'd been more patient with learning how to drive a ball, I wouldn't be a weakness in my game today. 
Yeah, it's, it's a fine line. And as coaches, too, you just got to be able to communicate that effectively and articulately and let them know, hey, this is what's, this is what's going to be coming in the future. Let's try and work on this now. This may work for you in the moment, but trust us, we know in the future that this is probably going to be something that uh, someone can pick at your game and say, you know, they're not strong in this area. Yeah, I think, um, I think we need to do like a goal kick challenge or something like that around the country and uh, have every goal, goalkeeper coach go out there and show how they've made this eight-year-old hit a perfect ball uh, after r- working with them. Uh, I think that could be a really cool, uh, cool video sequence. And, oh, for uh, sure, maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe it's something that we could do with the goalkeeper union. And uh, if you guys don't know what we're talking about with the goalkeeper union, that is our Patreon and uh, I want to shout out our first Patreon. We just got our first Patreon member yesterday with the GK Union, and that's Mars. Uh, Mars, thanks oh, for joining legend. the GK Union, man. Shout out to you. Uh, that's really cool. He's always been a big supporter of the show, so that's really awesome. And, uh, guys, if you want to join the GK Union, which is our Patreon, it's at www.patreon.com slash GK Union. And, uh, Omar, why don't you tell them a little bit about where this money would be going, what the GK Union is, et cetera, so it's not just me talking the entire time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like we said on the, the last two episodes, uh, the Patreon pretty much is, it's a, it's a subscription monthly. If you guys have a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, just you can donate that, donate that to us. And it goes into Mike and I, our adventures as, as uh, podcasters, going to different places like the MLS All-Star Game and trying to get interviews with some top-level coaches, top-level goalkeepers, and trying to bring you guys as much content as we possibly can. Like we did, we went to Phoenix uh, a few months ago for the MLS preseason, had some great conversations, got a lot of good uh, content there, but that was on our own dime. And unfortunately, you know, we're, it's still early in the phases now where we don't have the, 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 the Benjamins rolling in. So uh, if you guys have a few that bucks. private charter takes a lot of, a lot of <laughs> jet fuel. To, yeah, we to got, the, we got the Prius, thank God. But yeah, if you guys have a few dollars a month, uh, that'll go into our trips, that'll go into our equipment, uh, to our meals on trips. And essentially just everything that we're going to be doing to try and bring you guys uh, better content as uh, for, from goalkeepers and from goalkeeper coaches as well. And that's why we called it the goalkeeper union. It's the GK union as opposed to just, you know, Omar and Michael's, you know, uh, expense account. Because uh, <laughs> uh, it's really about you guys and giving, giving content back to the community to help benefit the community as a whole. Uh, if you become a member, there's different tiers, like we're saying. And with those different tiers, you get different cool things that make you part of the show. Uh, for instance, like, uh, you know, Mars just got this shout out right now. Uh, would we have given him that shout out if he hadn't given us that Patreon donation? I don't know. <laughs> well, how, we, that, that's a world I don't want to live in. So, you know, we don't, we don't know where that's going. Um, but guys, it's, uh, it's www.patreon.com slash GK Union. I think we might do some stories or, or, or maybe like a YouTube video you know, showing you how you can join and stuff like that in the future. Right, Omar? Yeah, we'll make something up with that. I think that's a good reminder for everybody. Um, and again, we're just, we're trying to bring as much content as, as we can. We started that's off awesome. doing one show a week and now we're doing two shows and Mike's hustling, getting us interviews. And Mike and we'd love hustling. to get the three guys, honestly, like if, if got the, the bigger this grows, the more content we can do for you is, is honestly the case. You know, I mean, if, if we could do this five days a week, we would, I'd be down to do this five days a week. I would. I don't know if I would do it in Ramadan, but I think when Ramadan's over, I'll be happy. <laughs> I'll be happy to do it. But yeah, guys, we'd, we'd appreciate every dollar. Uh, every dollar counts. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for this, the continued support thus far without even the Patreon involved. Yeah, it's been, it's been pretty awesome. Um, so let's, uh, let's move on to people who don't need the Patreons. And that's people playing in the Champions League because uh, they're, they're doing okay financially, I think. I think they're I think doing so. all right financially. Um, wow, what a week of Champions League was it? My Just God. Unreal. 
unreal, man. I don't think we're ever going to get something like that ever again. That was, uh, thing is I was, I was working on, uh, on Tuesday. I had to go to my uncle's uh, shop and set up his time clock. So they had like the Spanish channel there playing, but I, it was such a small TV. I couldn't even watch. So just hearing the goals, hearing the goals. And I didn't feel like I was invested and I was really pissed. I'm like, damn it, man. I really just, one of the greatest games comebacks ever. I, I missed it. I didn't get to watch it. And then I came home yesterday and I, I even, uh, I'm watching the game at halftime. I'm like, okay, three, zero, it's over. You know what I mean? This is, this is. Well, yeah, you I, saw my tweet. I did. Yeah, I did. It was like, uh, what, what do you I, still what, what on DVR. DVR. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, this is going to be, you know, I wish I would have watched the game yesterday and then boom, second half happened. And up until the last second, I was watching it on my TV, sitting there. I'm usually on my phone, checking DMS or on Instagram. And this time phone was down. I was completely immersed in the game and boy, what we were we were we've been fortunate the last in the last few weeks especially with like Tottenham Man City like that was we don't get those kind of games every day so that's awesome yeah yeah no it's been cool so let's let's rewind to to Tuesday and the uh the Liverpool Barca game obviously the classic that we were referring to originally that you were at the office for um and let's let's kind of go through this game because uh you know look Ter Stegen really can't be blamed on on really any of those goals I mean uh no it was just really unfortunate the first one that Jordan Henderson uh shot that rebounded actually Ter Stegen actually had a nice save there. Unfortunately on the rebound Rigi was able to tap that back in. Yeah. Uh, but that's really not his fault. Um, but let's talk about Allison and let's talk about the job that Allison did because uh, you know, Allison, he doesn't make, he doesn't make you go like, Oh my gosh, that was the cleanest save in the world. Um, but he gets the job done and he, he does a lot of things really well. For instance, the, the top hand standing tall uh, on Messi uh, in the first half. I mean, that was, it's pretty brave. I mean, I think I would fall to the ground if Messi was hitting a shot top, uh, you know, yeah. top right over me to the roof. I'd be like, ah! But uh, instead <laughs> against Tong, and he didn't even have to die for it. He just simple tip over over the bar. Yeah, no, that was, I mean, that was a big time save. And like we talked about it, I mean, at the at the base of everything, I think that, you know, there's a huge lesson from both games, especially to think about where, what happens to your mind when you go down a goal, when you go down two goals, are you still mentally aware? Are you still putting everything out there or are you going to sulk and feel bad for yourself and your team is down, you know, X amount of goals and you're not, you guys aren't going to come back when really, man, like we saw Allison made save after save after save. And I think I, I tweeted about it. Most goalkeepers and goalkeeper coaches who have had that experience where they've made those saves and their team came back, they remember that that installed this momentum and then this, this different switch of gears in their players' heads and that pushes them forward. And I think with Allison, man, like I think one thing I loved about his game that he's changed is he's not taking as many chances anymore. With his feet, when he's under pressure, he'll clear it now. And I think even, even with his throwing and distribution and with his saves, he's, he's much more effective and cleaner with his uh, parries and stuff like that. He made all those saves and his team came back and ended up winning. And it was just like, man, you got to tip your hat off to him. That, much love to him. And I've, I think I've criticized him a few times, but I mean, you can't really put a price on what he did out there. You brought up a good point in regards to the parrying because he made very conscious decisions of to make sure that those balls were never in spaces where Barcelona could a- attack once more. Yep. And I think that was really like the big saving grace. Like for instance, like on a Jordi Alba shot, you know, he parried that nice and strong away. Um, the only one that he really had any sort of issues with was um, there was one where he kind of tried to stay big uh, as he was going down and then the, the kind of ball popped off him. It might've been in the second half. And yeah. It's Coutinho. I think uh, somebody was on a one V one. Yeah. 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 Um, and then let, can we talk about the Ter Stegen Kermit, the frog leap? That was the weirdest goalkeeping technique save I've ever seen. 
Which one? Which one? Which one was it? You talking about the the one where he just kind of, I think he was blocked out of vision and he just exploded and he just pushed himself across the across the box at at a diag- diagonally. Um, he looked like Kermit. The, he looked like a frog, like a frog <laughs> leaping off a lily pad and just throwing his body and uh, and it hit his body and it went away. Um, I'd never seen that before. It was a weird shape. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, these guys are very unorthodox, especially him. He's, he's, uh, I think a lot of people were asking me too if they were, if he was at fault for the second goal. I think Juan Aldum uh, on the cross that uh, I think it was Henderson crossed in, and then Juan Aldum came in and, and, you know, struck it from the top of the PK spot. Uh, people were asking me, like, was he set too wide or, you know, shouldn't, because if he got a full hand on it, why didn't he parry it? And I think, you know, if we talked about it, we've talked about it a lot. Somebody at his stature, he's not that tall. But his, his wide stance works for him a lot of the times. And unfortunately here, like his leg was kind of in the way on that one. And it fell inside of that gap where it was hard. You know, either, it's either the hand or like the leg kicks out. So unfortunately, he swept it and like could barely get his hand in that space out. And it went in. So he's very unorthodox, man. So I, I don't, I'm not surprised that there was a leaping frog or there was a Kermit the Frog type jump in there. Well, he had that, he had that, uh, that save, that point blank save on Van Dyke, which is, uh, talk about, you know, that's a scary situation to be in right there. Uh, and Ter Stegen held his ground right there, and he had a great reaction to be able to, to, keep, uh, to keep that one out. Otherwise, it could have been worse. Um, he played of, well. Yeah, I mean, speaking of reflexes, I mean, we'll talk about Onana in a similar situation later, and unfortunately, the mess that happened with that. Um, but I, I want to talk about the messy near post shot that Allison saved. Uh, if you notice the way he did, he didn't try to go for a block technique and try to throw his leg out and, and, and kick it back into space. He deliberately dropped his shoulder negative in front of the near post to throw that ball away out of bounds, taking no chances whatsoever. Uh, I, mean, I can imagine that there's a lot of movement on that ball that Messi's hitting to you right there. That, that's a weird one, though, because like with Messi... You see the one I'm talking about, the one that he was talking yeah. about, he, he went negative... In front of, so his shape was in front of the post as Messi was coming. So he stayed big as Messi was coming. And instead of dropping into a block, he, he took his shoulder negative and threw the ball basically out of bounds as yeah, it was coming to him. For sure. And in, in those situations too, those are, those are tough because you're, as, as, you know, as we've all experienced with top level players, your mentality is like they're, they can put it far post. They can put it near post. They can put it through my leg. So all these different variables start being processed in your head. And then sometimes too, we see even with De Gea, sometimes he defaults into movements before he even sees the play, you know, play out. So like you said, he didn't default into that block save. He kind of steered the ball out of bounds. So credit to him for playing what he saw versus playing a default situation. So let's move on into the next game because I think we I think we pretty much have, have summed up what we wanted to say in that, and we're excited to see Allison basically on June first uh, in that Champions League final. Um, yes, sir. Let's talk about Hugo Hugo Lloris and uh, Andre Onana. Uh, another classic game. I, I I thought it was over at halftime. I think everybody did thought it was over at halftime after the Delic goal. Um, but let's talk about that because Hugo Lloris, no man on the back post. And this is something I'm not comfortable with. I don't understand it. I understand the reasoning for it because you have another man in the box. But I just think that the, the risk completely outweighs the reward in that situation. I personally would rather have someone on my far post because I can, not easily, but I can run to the near post and kind of, you know, defend that. Or I can put somebody on the corner, the edge of the six and have them defend that. Uh, the far post for me is just like, it, it just, it makes the most sense. And I've, I had a buddy of mine named Joe Kearney uh, God bless his soul, man. He used to, he probably had 15 off the, off the line for me, far post, just because I, he just knew where to be balling out of bounds. He knew exactly where to go. And I think that it's like becoming tr- not troublesome. Cause I don't think it's so evident, but as goalkeepers and people that we watch all these games, it's like, 
how many times does a ball need to be hit far post? And clearly, if a guy would have been there, it would have been deflected out of bounds. How many times does that have to happen before they actually figure things out? And I think if you would have had somebody there, boom, clear it out, clear it out, live to see another day, you're done. And then move on to the next play. But now we're, you know, we're talking about it and um, don't know what the advantage is. I guess maybe you want to have more people in the box, I guess, to match up with. But if you really break down the film and you watch like the man-on-man situation, who's guarding who, there's still enough bodies out there who maybe you, you don't put a guy in his zone, let him kind of do man marking instead. There's different ways to do that, but it has to be trained. And it, is, it does not look like a lot of these teams train it in, in practice. I just think at that level, the guys are so trained into hitting the ball to the corner, po- corner post that they're not, even, they're not even looking to see where the goalkeeper is. They're just looking to place the ball. So if you've got a guy on the post right there, like you've got a better chance of making that save off the line. Yeah, um, because you just can't cover that space that quickly. You just can't. It's just impossible um, absolutely. Yeah. if the ball's hit like that. So yeah. let's, let's talk now about Andre Onana because, honestly, there, there was, yes, the big, the big save by Loris, you know, in, at, the end of the, uh, at the end of regulation that, that kept them in the game while they were still down a goal, and, and obviously that was big. Um, but Andre Onana had quite a game. First off, that save on Dele Ali, uh, the near post reaction save, um, yes, it was high height, yeah. but uh, it came in with such pace. And the way, again, similar decision as to Allison, just throw the ball away as opposed to trying to – to just let it hit him. He literally threw his body to shove the ball out of bounds. Yeah, and I think it was great. It was a great save. And a lot of times when we watch those saves, people are like, oh, it was right at him. He didn't have to do much. It's like, well, look at his footwork to get there. Look how he moves his body around. Look at, look at the stability when the ball gets across. He has to take into account that his defender might get there. And if he doesn't, he's got to get into a spot. He's got to be stable. He's got to be set. So I think, it, yeah, sure, it was a good, uh, an easy save, which a lot of people are like, yeah, you know, it was a good height, it was easy save. And I'm like, come on, guys, you know, let's, let's look at the movement. Let's see how his body shape got into the – to put him in a, in a situation where it was an easy save. So I think that was the uh, – to me, that was the topic versus the actual save. It was the movement into uh, a good position to, to be kind of one step in front of that near post so we could steer it around. Speaking of uh, getting into good position, let's talk about the point-blank save because that was unreal on Onana. Oh. Uh, I think it was either Trippier or it was Lorente. Uh, Lorente, yeah. Lorente, yeah. It was Lorente. Okay, inside the box. But again, phenomenal, phenomenal pace on that ball. But the shape was so bo- good and he stayed so big um, that he was able to keep, keep that out. Now, unfortunately, they were able to give up the goal uh, because he couldn't reg- recover when he tried to go down and tried to get the ball and he spilled. But, you know, you can't fault Onana for that. They, they should be able to clear that ball out of the box. Um, that was, then, yeah, that was the goal, unfortunately, he was obstructed view, and he was still trying to trying to find his place and stuff like that. I get, that that's just sloppy on Ajax's part, in my opinion. Hundred percent. That was, I mean, what a save, and it's like heartbreaking for him because you know you make that huge save and you're kind of wanting to collapse on it. After you collapse on it, your whole team will come pat you on the head, give you a high five, and then you know that happens. And unfortunately, him and his defender come into it, which. I mean, in my head, I was thinking maybe he should have let the defender clear the ball. Like, I, I don't really understand why you're trying to collapse on that if a guy already has a favorable position. It was adrenaline. It was honestly straight-up adrenaline, in my opinion. You're just so in that moment right there, and you're just like, ball, go, get. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, and I think, you know, you make it, like you said, adrenaline based off of the save he just made. <laughs> like I said, do you think he just wants to jump on that ball and then the, yeah. have his teammates celebrate him? So, huge save, and I felt really bad for him because, my God, like, talk about rise of emotion to the lowest of the lows i know make this huge save and you know i mean i know you're probably going to get to this but the goal kick that he took at the end 
I mean, I felt like, you know what I mean? Like he was probably thinking after I hit this goal kick, we're going to the Champions League final. It's over. I've wasted probably 30 seconds here. The referee already showed me a yellow card. I got it. You know, I'm going to hit this goal kick and it's over. And then yeah. boom, you know, one I thing after another. Well, I mean, that game, my God. Did Lucas Moore have two in that game? He had a, he had a hat trick. He had a hat trick. He had all Unreal. three, yeah. Real. Considering Spurs form the last month, basically, like other than that Man City game, I mean, their form has been really bad. So this was this was just, I mean, you couldn't have even written this. No, no. After and now we, we got Liverpool Spurs. Um, I mean, and that's going to be exciting. Wow, crazy. Think about that. Hugo Lloris in the same cycle, basically, season cycle, is going to be in a World Cup final and a Champions League final as the starting yeah. goalkeeper. That's huge. That's, that's insane. That's, that's insane. Yeah, what, it's going <laughs> to be a big final, and I'm, I'm excited to watch it. And uh, I think if Harry Kane comes back, they're going to be even uh, uh, that much better of a striking force. So, Llorente killed it, though. I got to give it to him. He, he was the difference maker. They didn't have any answer for him. He would just get posted up, sit back. He, he, had a, he threw a f- few elbows in the game, but he sat back. They served the ball into him, and on that, on that last play, they hit it, hit it all the way up. He wins the first header, and then Dele Alli serves it into uh, – Lucas Moore and they score so shout out to Llorente uh, for uh, giving us that uh, last minute of excitement let's uh let's move into a more Spurs discussion but now on the negative side with Spurs when they play <laughs> now here's the thing okay so we're going to talk about the Bournemouth uh, game and Mark Travers the 19 year old making his his debut and uh, who f- played phenomenal a lot of people online you guys are all like oh yeah but there the, the Spurs was two man down Spurs was two man down do you realize he made most of these saves when they were still at full sides? Yep. Yeah. So I, I, we need to talk about this. And let's talk about Mark Travers, uh, you know, um, Irish Youth International. I think he's got a big future ahead of him. Wow, what a good frame. And what a push-off this guy's got. Explosive. Oh, For a yeah. big frame, like yep. he's explosive. Um, and every single play that he makes, it's not just a little touch over the bar. Um, like on the Lucas Moore on the first one, the great push over the bar. Um, just really, really good power to get that over. Yeah, and a lot of things people were saying were like, oh, man, he's, he should have caught that. He should have done this. You see the people who are the keyboard warriors, man, they always have something to say. They're always, they always have, uh, they're always trying to push the goalpost even that much further to, uh, to make it harder for somebody to establish themselves. But he, I mean, for being 19 years old, his first Premier League start, uh, to ball out like that, man. I mean, you're, like I said, when you get into that zone, you get into that zone, nothing's going to beat you. And there were some saves that he kind of exaggerated, but I think if you look at it on a different side, you can say, hey, he parried the ball out of danger versus, you know, the exaggeration. It's like he got it out of danger. If he had parried it back into danger with exaggeration, then, yeah, you can, you can criticize him, but puts it out for a corner two or three times, puts it out for a throw another two or three times. So it's like you got to show some love to this guy and the maturity level for him. It's, it's just like... The good thing about him is that he, he doesn't get flustered for a 19-year-old, which is amazing. Uh, he's not panicky. He doesn't pulse all over the place, which you see with a lot of younger guys and stuff like that. Um, the saves, the swipes over the bar. Um, look, again, I used to be a big guy who was a very much a, a negative about the exaggeration, exaggeration, exaggeration. But like Omar is attesting to, exaggeration is only bad if it plays the ball into a bad space. The Jorge Campos style exaggeration where you're like, <laughs> well, you could have held on to that ball and you would have made it for a much better situation than for that highlight reel. Uh, for your marketing standpoint, uh, that's why you're doing that. Um, no, but but it, you get what I'm saying. Is that, is Absolutely, that, yeah. You know, so the ball's, are, ball's already going over the bar. He's just making sure that it's going over the bar. Ball's already going wide. He's already just making sure it's going wide, that sort of thing. Um, let's talk a little bit about the NWSL, and let's talk about Aubrey Bledsoe. 
um, because she was not just goalkeeper of the week. She was player of the week. Just unreal game that she had. Uh, I was really, really, really impressed with her. Um, she had nine saves, I believe, especially one on a ridiculous free kick and a near post shot um, in traffic. Uh, that was a nice little extension shot. I think she either went with top hand or I think she went, went top hand as she went across. Um, but this almost equaled her uh, last year. She had a game against Seattle Reign that was like 10 saves. Um, and I think last year she set the saves record in NWSL. So she seems to be on the pace again. And uh, we talked about this with Ian a little bit, you know, obviously a little bit biased here. But I, I guess she's got to be in the national team picture. She's got to be the four, right? Because you're like, my gosh, there's, she'd be the number one for most countries in the world right now. It's just unreal game that she's been playing. She's got to be the U.S. four, right? I mean, like I said, I, I think the, the pool for, for the World Cup this year, I think they went a little bit more experienced just because those are the goalkeepers who have kind of been sitting behind Hope or uh, who have kind of been waiting their turn. I think uh, Nair's 32, Ashton Harris is around 33. So it looks like what's going to happen, unfortunately, it might happen, it might not. Like you said earlier, is that she may be skipped over because she's right in that middle between being a little bit too young for this team but at the same time being a little bit too old for the future which I mean she's 27 so I, I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't count her out so soon but for the next World Cup cycle I think you know she's gonna be 31 by then who knows where she's gonna be or how she's gonna be till then so I think in the future it's gonna take some time for us to kind of see how things progress through and uh you know see which of the the goalkeepers kind of come through the team there but I think she has a good chance but she might be kind of the overlooked uh, generation in the middle between not old enough and then still a little bit too old for the younger group. So, Well, what I like about Aubrey is that she is very athletic, but at the same time, she's also disciplined in her decisions. Um, she's not crazy at wild all over the place. Obviously, you know, she's, she's a little bit of an older goalkeeper, and I don't mean older goalkeeper as an old goalkeeper, but as in a veteran goalkeeper. Yep. Um, obviously, she's dealt with turmoil, you know, with injuries and all sorts of losing form and all that, and then having to come back from that. So... You know, I think personally, somebody like that is somebody I would want to ride a wave with. I would want to bring somebody like that. It's tough, though, because the thing is, it's like, you know, then you got an Adriana Franch, you know, there's just not enough room on that women's national team for all the goal, all the great goalkeepers that the U.S. produces. It's really darn hard. Yeah, but it's, it seems like all signs are pointing towards Jamie Campbell, no? I think yeah, that's yeah, where. Yeah, yeah, Jane Campbell, I think definitely uh, is going to be the future, in my opinion, um, for the next cycle moving forward. Um, and we can talk, you know, more to you know, experts about this, you know, when we're talking about the women's world cup, uh, which is, man, my gosh, like less than a month away. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm excited, man. I mean, I, I love watching, just sitting there watching games all day. So yeah. it's going to be, it's gonna be fun for us. And, and, and it's pretty exciting because we're, uh, we might be having some of those, uh, those, those players on our podcast. <laughs> which, uh, pretty darn cool that there's some really cool people out there listening to the show that we didn't even realize listen to the show. So Pretty awesome. Um, By the way, I just called her Jamie Campbell, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, apologize for that. It's Jane. You called her. You called her a uh, 13-year-old girl in Southern California, <laughs> a place from El Cal. My bad, Jane. That's my bad. <laughs> it's, it's all good. I'm sure the Campbell clan here in Southern California will be like, Jamie, did you hear that? You're you're in the national pool cycle for. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I forgot we did know Jamie. Yeah, that's how I remember. Okay, anyways, that's hilarious. Well, we, we've we've had some name mix-ups today. Uh, <laughs> um, speaking of name mix-ups, we're going to really have name mix-ups here because we're going to talk about the Bundesliga a little bit here, and I want to talk about Werder Bremen's uh, Yuri Plavlenka, who I think has been one of the top goalkeepers in the Bundesliga this year. I think he uh, has been consistent for Bremen over and over again. Has had some great saves. That one save on Serge Gnabry 
uh, for Bayern Munich a few weeks ago was just unreal. Um, the, the foot save uh, on that volley. I mean, that should have been a goal. That's for insane. sure, that should have been a goal. Yeah, and, I mean, there's, yeah, he had no right to make that save. I mean, it was just it was a 50-50 ball, and then he kind of decided to stay home, and the guy shot it low, or Nabri shot it sh- uh, low. And in that situation, dude, it's like it's from, from that close, it's so hard to pick your feet back up. But yeah, he picked his foot back up, and it kind of like tipped it wide. So that was, I mean, that was insane. Yeah, I, um, I, I've been very high on him this whole year. Actually, this past weekend, I, unfortunately, he had a great game against uh, uh, Borussia Dortmund. Uh, I'm a little bit of a Dortmund supporter. And, uh, man, I mean, just great saves on Pulisic, uh, on Guerrero, on Alcacer. I mean, just it was a really fast-paced game. And, uh, I mean, he just made some really, really good decisions on some uh, beautiful parries, uh, just got nice and low to the ground, even though he's got a long frame. I mean, just I've been very impressed with him this year obviously he's he's been a consistent you know goalkeeper I mean you know I mean he's he's a Czech international right so I mean he's he's a good player you know we're not talking about like a guy who's just kind of come out of nowhere type of a thing uh speaking of that game what about the Roman Berkey uh the error through the legs uh just uh man Berkey just seems I feel so bad for him because every time he has a really great moment it follows it up with these unfortunate howlers and, and they're not even sometimes just his fault. You know, it's just, it's just bad luck. I think Romain Berkey might have just a cloud like over, like Charlie Brown style, like right over his head. <laughs> We've seen that with a lot of goalkeepers, unfortunately, where they're, they, you know, they have a great run of form, but it's kind of always that what if they are uh, mistake prone. So it's, it's unfortunate that he has that cloud over his head, but I think with maturity and like with growth and with age, I think hopefully that'll all kind of get ironed out, but still, you know, we're kind of seeing the same issues persist and when that happens it's kind of it's not just one thing it's a trend so let's hope not let's talk about the again Bundesliga goalkeeper of the year because I think that for me right now it's it's Pavlenka or um the Hungarian you know uh Petr Galashi over at Rebel like sorry RB Leipzig not Red Bull Leipzig yes that's right um I, I want to be uh, correct here I don't want anyone to freak out even though we all know it's Red Bull Leipzig and <laughs> um I uh I think he's been probably the most consistent goalkeeper in the Bundesliga this year. Um, yes, a lot of people have both say Manuel Neuer has great stats, but he's also been playing at Bayern Munich. It's a big difference playing at Bayern Munich and playing anywhere else in the Bundesliga. Yeah, no, very true. I think that's you can make, I mean, most teams that are the top-level teams, you can make the argument for them. And, uh, like, you know, uh, goalkeepers. John Summer had a good year. At Motion Gladbach, they had a great start to the season. They're still, still doing pretty decent. Um, you know, a lot of good goalkeepers in the Bundesliga, always consistently, it seems like. It's a, it's a good place for goalkeepers to start their career. So yeah. we'll see what Let's happens. Figure, so we'll, we'll, we'll start wrapping up because obviously Omar is uh, starting to lose. Uh, he's starting to fade. He's starting I'm to fade. I'm getting tired, yeah. yeah. It's all good. He hasn't had food. So uh, <laughs> I can only imagine. Hopefully you're going to take a nap right after this, I'm, I'm assuming. I got to edit the podcast and then watch my Arsenal versus Valencia. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's yeah. right. Europa League. That's funny. <laughs> I that wait for Thursdays. Fun. Everybody waits for Tuesday, Wednesday. I go <laughs> You're like, oh, I wait for Thursdays for that stream to come in <laughs> that freezes every 10 seconds because it's not on, on actual national television. Um, is, yeah. Chicago Fire just signed a German keeper. Let's talk about German keepers again. Um, they just signed uh, a, a goalkeeper. Um, I believe his uh, name is uh, Kenneth Kronholm. Uh, he played for Holstein Kiel uh, in Bundesliga 2. And uh, he's, he's an interesting character, man. He's actually a dual citizen. He's uh, part American, part, uh, part German, German-American mm-hmm. guy. Uh, but spent majority of his career, I th- believe, in the Bundesliga 2. So he's been kind of like a career Bundesliga 2 type guy. Um, one of his main highlights that I've seen is Julian Green scoring on him, which I think there might be seven of those in the world. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I think Julian Green scored more than that. Um, 
he did have like double digit clean sheets in four consecutive seasons though. Um, he had a career high 19 clean sheets. Again, clean sheets a lot of times for me is a statistic that is a defensive statistic for the entire back line. It's not a goalkeeping statistic. So when guys go, well, you know, that guy is just a, just been keeping a clean sheet. It's like, well, is it him or is it the team? Is that good? Um, yeah. You know? So, um, but let's talk about that because he's got, he's coming in now. Uh, David Alstad is a, you know, consummate professional. He's been a veteran of MLS for years and years and years. Should um, should he be worried based on this crazy spin move uh, with the ball at his feet that this guy apparently does? Uh, I don't know if you saw this play no. that he did, but it was like a spin move pirouette to play the ball out of the out. Uh, I mean, just goalkeepers are very brave these days. <laughs> I think yeah, the environment and the way the modern day is uh, the modern day goalkeeper is trending. That's where, uh, you know, we feel com- we feel comfortable and confident trying to do whatever we can to keep the play alive. And sometimes we got a pirouette out of there. So, uh, but no, I'm excited for him. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's 33. So he's a little bit on the older side and Ostad is probably in that 33, 34 year old category. Maybe he could be a little bit younger, or a little older, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a- also on big wages. So that's, okay. that's what it's I'm a weird move. Too. It's definitely, it's definitely an interesting move just because of, you know, they just signed uh, Gabriel Slolina, is that his name, right? Yeah, who's turning 15 <laughs> next week. Yeah, but it's, it's just, you know, it it's just shows maybe that they they don't have confidence in Osted and they're trying to, fill, you know, fill that void with somebody who has experience. And this guy is not going to take an international spot because he has that dual citizen, uh, citizenship, right? So yeah. I feel like with, with that uh, – with that experience and he's maybe his family just wanted to live in the u.s maybe that's just what it is they're like we're, we're tired of this, all the sauerkraut we just want we want, <laughs> well, we want some kielbasa uh could chicago be. style but chicago what uh what chicago fire in the press release they pretty much said like we've been we've been keeping an eye out for him and he fits our game model so you know when somebody says that it's not like uh maybe that's just a formality when they have conversations with the press but to me it sounded like you know we feel like this guy can help us from the start so we needed we felt like we needed to get him yeah and uh, and before we go today, guys, because we've been going what an hour and fifteen or so, we we it's been it's been a solid episode. Oh yeah. Um, we do want to give a shout out to John McCarthy at Tampa Bay. Uh, and I know I just completely negated uh, shutout streaks, so this is completely going against the grain of what I just said. But uh, he does have the longest consecutive shutout streak going in USL right now. Um, and I know I know you know him, Omar. So uh, we want to give a little, little shout out to him. He's been playing really really well. He has been, yeah. He had a he had a game last week that I compared it to Kalen Sheridan's, where they kind of had this uh, this big performance with save after save after save, and then unfortunately he didn't. They didn't let in a howler, but their team kind of you know took on so many shots that eventually law of averages one finally went through. So that was the standout game for me. Um, and after that, he's been. I mean, Tampa Bay is one of the best teams in the USL right now. My buddy Tarek Murad, who uh, who I spent a lot of time with, we grew up together, but he's on top of Tampa Bay now. He's I think their, their left back or center back. Maybe in the right back, but he's on the team now. So I just want to say that's not John McCarthy. It's my buddy. So it's all my, it's all my friend, my friend's work. That, that's, that's what it is. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's all your friend's work. And honestly, <laughs> shout out to USL because they've been getting their games on national television. They had a national game of the week on ESPN uh, yesterday. It was pretty yep. cool to see that. They've been killing it. They've yeah. Killing they were it. going right up against the, the Boston Celtics uh, NBA playoff game, which uh, to be honest with you, the USL was a better decision than watching that Boston Celtics-Milwaukee Bucks playoff game. Uh, Man, that was pathetic. That was embarrassing. I honestly said, I was like, I've seen men's league games at 5 o'clock on a Sunday that, that seem to have more energy to them. Kyrie <laughs> um, Irving's gone, man. I mean, I know you're a Boston fan, but I mean, I think it's probably for the best. The team's probably better without him. Yeah, we don't need a ball-dominant point guard like that who just can't move the ball and, and needs to create for himself. Um, anyway, yeah. 
Uh, this is a goalkeeping podcast, not a basketball <laughs> podcast. Although maybe we should start a spinoff basketball podcast. Both Omar and I follow the basketball a lot. <laughs> so maybe we should do that. Um, all right, guys, that's all the time we got on Inside the 18. Omar needs to, to, needs to get to watching Valencia Arsenal. Um, contact at insidethe18media.com is the best way to reach out to us. We are interested in coming to your cities. Let us know if you do want us to do that. Um, uh, always send in your listener questions. Please keeping those reviews. That's how we keep moving up the iTunes charts, guys. And uh, by the way, for those of you guys who listen on Spotify, just steal somebody's iPhone or Droid and do it on Stitcher or iTunes. It's totally easy. <laughs> Please. Uh, all, right. all right, we're out. Later, guys. See you guys.